It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, May 18th, as we look to recap UFC 262 Oliveira versus Chandler, which took place on Saturday, May 15th at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. And as always, great to be back with you guys. Uh, a major, major pay-per-view, probably one of the funnest pay-per-views uh, of the last calendar year. Uh, a lot of talking points. A lot of people going up, a lot of people going down. Obviously, you know, an epic an epic main card showdown. I mean, you know, that Saturday just had a, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Um, but, yeah, uh, this one kind of slipped by me. And obviously, as always, we'll start with some of the housekeeping here before we get right into the recap. But I didn't realize that, uh, actually, I believe exactly one week ago today a year ago was the first north star sports podcast so i was so focused on the one year anniversary of the main card showdown which i believe is coming up in a month and a half that i totally forgot about uh you know the uh the the one year anniversary of uh, me doing this podcast uh so you know happy one year anniversary one year birthday for uh the podcast even though the company's been around since uh June of 2018. So, I mean, we're just going to be hitting a bunch of milestones here. I mean, we're going to be hitting our our, our, our big three-year anniversary for the company, you know, a year of the, the greatest game show of all time, the greatest game of all time uh, in, in the main card showdown. So it's, it's really just a banner time here at North Star Sports, uh, you know, but that's, hey, that's just life. That's just life in the shade, man. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's wild. Um, but like I said, yeah, crazy uh, main card showdown. Obviously, it was NSS 40. Uh, it was the first leg of the May World Grand Prix. Really snuck up on me. I thought we had another another UFC event uh, after the next one, but uh, I guess we got a one-week break at the end of the month, so tournaments kind of shifted up a little bit. Uh, we had five, five knockouts in six fights. So, you know, this was just knockout central. You know, people finishing fights, all of them, all of them were great. You know, uh, steady, dominant victory by the mailman over Quincy the Dab Man. Uh, you know, n- nobody's going to take the, the belt from me anytime soon. That's just a fact. Uh, you know, I- I'm just running through people. I'm lapping people. I mean, this is the second time I've defended the belt against Quincy. I've defended it twice, I think, against Reagan. Uh, I'll defend it twice next week against uh, the locomotive, Drew Peterson because we'll meet in the gold medal match. He knocked out uh, Peyton, which was pretty surprising. He, he got on him early. He won 50-43. A lot of 50s on the uh, on the scorecards, so just blanking out people, just people pitching a shutout. But, uh, you know, that was surprising. Peyton was obviously rusty. He hadn't done it in uh, probably about a month. I mean, this dude probably would have had a title shot if he ever got his picks in, uh, although I, I guess that's actually mostly on, uh, on Drew for not getting his picks in. But, hey, whatever. But, you know, that's fine. You know, he, he, he knocks out Peyton. I'm going to knock out Drew in the, in, the, in the finals. 
So it is it is what it is. You know, he's holding a good man down in Peyton. You know, he's holding him down, denying him his title shot by not asking for his picks. You know, and I'm going to make him pay for it. You know, that's kind of how it is. Uh, we had Moobs making his debut. Probably the coolest of all the squirrels, I got to be honest. You know, you can check it out on the website. His, his profile pic is just fucking legendary. I mean, he's just grabbing his moobs. He's flexing. He's got the buck teeth as well. So that's probably, you know, the coolest of all the squirrels. He knocks out Reagan. So, you know, Reagan, I don't know, man. He's, I don't think he's too happy about doing this game. He, he's been losing a lot, even though he had a knockout win last week. Uh, Captain beat uh, Storm and Gary Gooseman. So now he's 0-2, which is surprising because I honestly thought he was going to be one of the better competitors. But uh, I don't know, man. Captain's tough. He's gotten many a title shots. So, you know, that's fine. And the baby Gramps beat Francis. Jerry beat Grandpoo. That's no surprise. Grandpoo's fucking 2-11. So, yeah, it is what it ever. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the main card showdown. Like I said, uh, you know, epic conclusion to May uh, next week. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, obviously updated rankings, and I suppose we'll get to that as we, uh, you know, get to the fights, uh, since there's not really, uh, a point. Actually, let me see if there's any ones that, uh, were changed independently of, uh, the event. And I don't think they were, but pl plenty of changes. So we'll get right into the recap here. Uh, obviously, uh, if you haven't heard by now, Charles Oliveira is your new lightweight champion. Knocks out Michael Chandler. Uh, 19 seconds into round two. Just absolutely fucking bonkers. Uh, you got to feel so bad for Chandler. And obviously, I'm a huge fucking Michael Chandler fan, so that definitely stung a little bit. But um, fucking props to Charles Oliveira for just surviving. I, I don't know how he survived, honestly. Michael Chandler's got fucking power in his hands. And I, I really don't know how he survived. He just got tagged early and often, pretty much dominated for the first five rounds or five minutes. And then to just somehow flip a switch, just get that 60 second break in the corner, come back, tag Michael Chandler and finish Michael Chandler in 19 seconds. I mean, Michael Chandler couldn't finish him. I mean, he probably heard him, I don't know, 45 seconds into the first round. So, you know, he had all that time. And I, I really thought... That's probably the worst part for Michael Chandler. I really think he was two seconds away from finishing Oliveira. You know, when he hurt Oliveira and then Oliveira fell to the ground and kind of did the wobbly head thing, it it looked like he was going to finish him exactly how he finished um, Dan Hooker, where Hooker dropped down. He's kind of sprawling on his knees with, with his face basically touching the ground, just getting punched, you know, on the side of the head repeatedly. I mean, it looked like... It looked like he was going to finish it in the exact same fashion. And I, I don't know how he did it. Honestly, I think some refs... Some refs might have fucking stopped that. But, you know, obviously, uh, you know, fucking toughed it out. And, man, for, for Chandler, that's that's fucking tough, man. Because this... And, and, you know, if Charles lost, it would have been tough for him as well. It's tough for anybody to lose uh, a title fight, certainly at lightweight, where you know the road back to the top is so fucking difficult. I mean, look at Tony Ferguson, uh, which we'll get to in a, in a minute, you know, to, to see how, you know, hey, sometimes shit doesn't go your way and you're on a fucking the greatest lightweight winning streak of all time and you don't even get a shot at the undisputed title. You know, shit's not fair. And, um, you know, obviously uh, you're going to have to wait for uh, 
Poirier and McGregor, and then there's Gaethje still looming out there, and then, hey, what about Benil Dariush, who we'll, obviously we'll get to in a second, uh, you know what I mean, hey, maybe Tony Ferguson can make a comeback, I fucking highly doubt it, but maybe he does, and then there's Islam Makachev, so it's like, ah, man, it's, it's pretty daunting when you, when you look, you know, he, and it was, this is a very competitive, he didn't get starched, you know, it was, it was just a TKO, Michael Chandler was fine afterwards, he probably didn't even really take that much damage in the fight, but it's just, man, it's, it's gonna be a long road back to the, to the top, uh, you know, I, I know he said he, w- he was gonna be back, uh, you know, within the next 18 months, uh, getting another title shot, I don't know about that, but, um, I hope so, I hope so, and then for Charles Oliveira, um, Man, who would have ever fucking thought Charles Oliveira would be a lightweight champion? I mean, six months ago, well, actually six months ago, that would have made sense. But, you know, fucking a year ago, a year ago, a year and some change before he fought Kevin Lee. Who the fuck was Charles Oliveira? Now, obviously, I, I, I think he still had the, the record for the most submissions. Like, obviously, obviously, he was a very credentialed fucking grappler and, like, you know, a UFC mainstay at that point. He'd been in the UFC for 10 years. You know, people knew who he was, but, you know, he's had a, he's had a handful of losses and nobody really ever thought of him as, you know, a, a title contender. And then, man, his last three fights, you know, his, his entire career... You know, he, he had some nice wins, he, like over Miles Jury and uh, uh, Will Brooks, who was a champ over in Bellator. You know, Jim Miller, that's that's a nice win. But he never had a signature win. And now he's had three signature wins in a row. You know, the one over Kevin Lee really propelled him to contendership. The, the Ferguson win was dominant and cemented it. And now the Chandler won. Well, obviously, it's a signature win because you won a fucking belt from it. So it's like, man, what a difference three fights make, you know, you're just kind of toiling around with your career, trying to work your way to the top. And, you know, this is true for a lot of people, you know, your resume is just kind of whatever, because it's hard to get big fights. It's hard to, you know, it's not just about winning when it comes to getting big fights, that's for sure. And then to get three of them in a row, I mean, you know, his, his stocks have uh, skyrocketed. And, you know, it's, it's a cool story. He seems like a huge fucking nerd, but a really cool guy. And obviously, uh, you know, a, a, a very good, uh, uh, you know, patriot for Brazil, and uh, you know the, the work he does over there. So, you know, it's good. It's good to see him a, as a champ, and it, you know, it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, anything can fucking happen in this sport. You know, uh, not that Masvidal was nothing, and obviously he never got a got the belt, but like. What accounts for that? Like, what accounts for for Jorge Masvidal just becoming a superstar? What accounts for, like, I I kind of look at Charles Oliveira similarly as I do with Jan Blahovich, like a guy who got no respect, uh, probably a you know a talented guy. I mean, clearly Charles Oliveira was ta- talented. He was in the UFC at 20, but just a guy who suffered, uh, you know, some pretty bad losing streaks or losing you know epochs. And then just kind of fucking, it all clicks. It just all clicks. And who knows why? I'd love to, to hear on why, uh, on why he's having, you know, the success he's having now. But, you know, it, it's nobody, nobody, you know, four years ago, five years ago, when you're talking about Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor and fucking Khabib and, and Tony Ferguson, I mean, Charles Oliveira, I mean, who, who is this guy? So, uh, you know, his striking is greatly improved. Clearly, we saw that. Uh, in this fight, although he did get, you know, hurt several times. So, you know, maybe defense is something he, cl- he could clean up a little bit. And obviously, you know, he's always going to have the grappling advantage against anybody he goes against. Uh, 
Uh, obviously, you don't want to be under Michael Chandler uh, or, you know, under a, a powerful wrestler, but, you know, Charles Oliveira can certainly handle himself on the ground. So, you know, great for him. Obviously, what's next for him is McGregor and Poirier. I saw a lot of people, I saw like Ariel Helwani saying like, well, it would, he tried to like hot sports take it like, hey, I think the winner of Poirier and McGregor is going to be next for Oliveira. Yeah, no shit, dude. That's a, what a boiling hot sports take that is. Like, obviously, no, no fucking shit. I could have told you that fucking, I could have told you that after they fought the second time. Like, obviously, that's the number one contender fight. I mean, you might not agree with it, but, you know, it's obviously what's going to happen. Um, and then for Michael Chandler, uh, you know, you just got to rack up some rack up some wins. I mean, you know, realistically, he's sitting there at four. He just lost, but Oliveira goes up a spot. So Chandler might not even drop in the rankings. He might just stay at four. And, um, you know, he's probably just two wins away from getting back to the title. But, you know, it's going to be, you know, two pretty fucking tough wins. I mean, the, the Gaethje fight would make some sense. I don't know how quickly Chandler wants to get back in there. Gaethje's been on the sidelines for about nine months, eight months at this point. Um, I think that the Darius fight makes a lot of sense. I, I really think you could make that fight as well. Obviously, the fucking timelines would match up tremendously because uh, they fought, you know, fucking 10 minutes after each other. Um, although Darius wants to take some time off, but, you know, he said he wanted to come back later this year. I mean, you know, are, are we in such a rush to get Michael Chandler back in here by August? You know, I, I say October, November, let's let's do Chandler and, and Darius. You could co-main uh, a pay-per-view. You could headline, you know, a fight night. Uh, they're probably pay-per-view fighters at this point, probably pay-per-view co-mains. But, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see that one. I think that would make a lot of sense for both of those guys. You know, it's a step up for Darius. Uh, it's a step down for Chandler because he's got to prove that he can, you know, get his way back to the to the top. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that makes a lot of sense uh, at this point. I mean, Chandler's not going to rematch Hooker. You know, maybe he wants to fight RDA. Maybe that would make uh, a lot of sense. I don't know if RDA has a fight currently on the books, but uh, I don't believe he does. And I think that would make a lot of sense, you know, kind of uh, two guys who are still in the title picture, a little bit on the older side, and two fighters who have, you know, a tremendous legacy so it's a it's a, a legacy fight for both of those fighters it's not like it's not like Chandler's fighting you know fucking Grant Dawson who has no legacy at all but is like a super super tough you know potential future champion you know what I mean where if you win nobody really gives a shit because nobody knows who Grant Dawson is but if you lose you kind of lose everything uh you know so th th there's a lot of things you could do matchmaking wise uh in, in the lightweight division but with the rankings obviously Oliveira goes up to champion he moves up three spots. We keep Poirier and Gaethje uh, at one and two. We don't move them at all. Michael Chandler actually, funnily, funnily enough, moves up a spot in a loss because he fills the spot that Oliveira had. So he goes from four to three. Um, you know, I just I couldn't put Conor McGregor there. I couldn't put Dan Hooker there. How can I put Hooker ahead of Chandler? Hooker lost to Chandler fucking you know six months ago. So how can I do that? Um, so the, the division's a little wonky, but I, I know we have the rankings uh, correct. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, we had Benil Dariush get a signature victory over Tony Ferguson. Uh, fucking stellar win for Dariush. I was saying it all week. I should have made it my lock of the week. I, I knew Dariush was going to win. I was, I was pretty confident. 
you know, you look at these two fighters, they're just completely trending in different directions. You know, it's... I learned my lesson from the Tyron Woodley fall from grace because I see a lot of similar things with Tony Ferguson where you go... Well, Tony Ferguson, 12-fight winning streak, one of the best lightweights of all time, interim champion. Uh, Benil Dariush has none of that, so Tony Ferguson's going to win. Yeah, that's true. If you looked at Tony Ferguson's resume, it's better than Benil Dariush, but this fight is taking place in May of 2021. Benil Dariush is not fighting Tony Ferguson when Tony Ferguson was at the peak of his winning streak. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's like putting fucking Deontay Wilder, you know, like seven years ago against a fucking 68-year-old, you know, Muhammad Ali. It's like, well, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, great boxer, so I think he's going to win. Yeah, but it's fucking 20-fucking-14. You know what I mean? Like, Tony Ferguson had his time and place, but Neil Dariush is the better fighter. So you could look at Tony Ferguson's resume and and be wowed at it and ooh and awe, and, and you probably should because it's a very good resume. But this fight's not taking place in fucking July of 2018. It's taking place in May of 2021 after Tony Ferguson got his ass beat for 10 straight rounds in a row. So it's very important. We, again, we saw the same fucking thing with Tyron Woodley. And I'm, Tyron Wood, Woodley's my second favorite fighter of all time. So, you know, obviously I, I picked him for every single one of his fucking losses uh, just because I look at him through rose-colored glasses. But it's like... Yeah, man, like, after we see you just get 10 aided for, you know, 10 to 15 rounds in a row, I'm going to start picking your opponent, you know what I mean? And Benil Dariush, you look at his last performances, I mean, we knew this was coming, we knew this was inevitable, Dariush was better on the ground, he probably ripped Tony Ferguson's knee and or ankle in half, you know, Tony Ferguson's washed, and it's okay to say that, this dude's had a, a great career, he's just, you know, I don't even want to say he's not good right now, it's just he's not gonna beat other fighters at the top of the division and you know Dariush has good power he's obviously great on the ground uh and and, you know he's fucking really underrated and doesn't exactly have a fan base so a lot of people you know a lot of Tony stands thought Tony was gonna win I, I I knew Tony was gonna lose I mean what what you know that's cool that he's switching camps and all that and you know chicken salad not chicken shit or whatever the fuck Brock was saying but it's like okay like what in what in your last two performances have you shown that uh makes me think you're gonna win this you know toughness okay I mean you're gonna be really tough while you're getting beaten up and getting your limbs snapped in half by Benil Dariush which is exactly what happened so you know I look at the landscape of the the uh the lightweight division I don't think I honestly don't think Tony Ferguson beats any of those guys I, I really don't I really don't so uh I'll get to the to the rankings here, the rest of the rankings here at lightweight. So, Benil Dariush, massive jump. He goes from 10 to 4. McGregor, uh, Hooker, and Dos Anjos move up one spot. So, it's McGregor 5, Hooker 6, Dos Anjos 7. Tony Ferguson drops three spots from 5 to 8. Paul Felder stays at 9. And then everybody below that moves up a spot. So, uh, Islam Makachev, Kevin Lee, Gregor Gillespie, Grant Dawson, Carlos Diego, Fajeda move up one spot in that order, and then Drew Dober uh, re-enters the rankings uh, at, at 15. And again, like I was saying, I don't think Tony Ferguson beats anybody in the top 15. I, I really don't. Like, if Tony Ferguson got in there with Paul Felder, I, I think he's just going to get outboxed. I think he's going to get smashed. I think if he, go, if he goes up against Islam Makachev, it might be a murder. 
I think if he goes up against Kevin Lee again, I th- I think that fight goes completely different. I think Gregor Gillespie is going to out-wrestle him. Uh, I think Grant Dawson definitely would out-wrestle him. Um, we start getting down to Carlos Diego Fajeda. Maybe, you know, maybe he beats him. Maybe, maybe he does. That's a close fight. But, you know, even though Fajeda's on a two-fight losing streak, I still... I still was pretty impressed by some of his performances. I mean, he definitely had, uh, you know, some moments against Darius. Definitely lost the fight. It wasn't a split decision loss, like the judges said. But, you know, he had some moments. He's really slick on the ground. His striking's improved, you know, similarly to, you know, that of a Charles Oliveira. And then Drew Dober, I guess I'd favor Ferguson over Dober. But Dober's got fucking, you know, concrete mittens for fucking hands. So, you know, he really could just get battered around. Um, So, you know who the fuck knows what's next for Tony Ferguson. Honestly, that Kevin Lee fight kind of makes sense, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's kind of mean. But, you know, Kevin Lee's coming off of a a loss to Oliveira. So maybe we go Ferguson, Kevin Lee too. You know, Kevin Lee's kind of been on the sidelines for, well, actually exactly a year, exactly a calendar year. So, you know, maybe, maybe that makes sense. But I wouldn't be mad with Tony Ferguson against any of those guys. But honestly, I think he needs to take a, a long, hard look at uh, what he wants to do uh, with his career. Not saying he should retire because yeah, I don't really care if people retire. I mean, again, like I always say, I might suggest retirement, but you know, if you want to stay around and just get punched in the head repeatedly, uh, you know, with no hope of uh, getting back to the title, then, you know, that's whatever. It's, it's your brain, you know, do what you want to do with it. Uh, you know, his might be shot already. So, you know, whatever, man, ride it till the fucking wheels come off, I suppose. And then again, for, for Dariush, um, I think the Chandler fight makes a lot of sense. Apparently, he's pretty good friends with Gaethje, so I, I don't think that would happen. So really, I think uh, from Dariush's side, I think the Chandler fight is really the only fight that you, you would want, because you're not going to get Poirier, you're not going to get McGregor, obviously they're fighting, but you're not going to get the winner or loser of that fight, there's no fucking way, you know, Conor McGregor's going to fight Benio Dariush probably don't want to fight Chandler, or uh, Gaethje, Chandler, the timelines just work out, and he's the only fighter ahead of you in the rankings, so, you know, that's kind of what uh, makes sense, um, I do want to pull up the UFC rankings, because I want to see what they have to say about the lightweight landscape, because um, again, I don't wait to do my rankings, I do them immediately after the main event, uh, I think there's no reason to wait until Tuesday, there's no reason to think it over, I know where people go, you know, after the fight, it's not, you know, it's not anything like that, and actually, they have him at three, which is, is crazy, uh, I mean, not, not crazy in a bad way, I mean, that's crazy awesome, that's good for Dariush, uh, so they're giving him the, the proper respect, they have Tony Ferguson a little higher, a little bit higher than I'd like, um, <clears throat> they, also have, they also have Tiago Moises in the rankings, I'm not too sure about that, but, um, interesting interesting order there uh moving on here to the featured bout we had a unanimous decision victory for Hajerio Bontarine over Matt Schnell uh I, I didn't really watch this fight too closely it wasn't really that great of a fight I mean you know they, they, they certainly were trying so props to them but I I didn't really care and obviously the wrong guy won in this one uh you know maybe maybe he maybe he won I'm, I, I didn't score it but you know the guy who missed weight going up a weight class, uh, won the fight. So I'm sure that made everybody uh, at the UFC very, very happy. I I know they love it when you miss weight, and I know they love it when you miss weight and win. So, you know, 
good for Hajario Bontarine. Maybe it's it's time to move up to featherweight there, buddy. Uh, you know, I don't know. He he got outstruck uh, pretty significantly in that in that fight. The more I uh, look into the uh, the old Staterunis there, so you know, whatever. But but I, I I don't really care. I didn't really think of these two fighters as uh, you know people to watch for at. Uh, at flyweight, although you never really know because they just give you know title shots to you know Alex Perez and and guys like that. It's such a shallow division that you know a lot of stuff can happen. So I don't know. I I flip flopped him in the rankings. I st- I counted it as a flyweight fight. We know it's a flyweight fight. It's two ranked flyweights who just didn't want to cut the weight. Bontarine didn't want to cut any weight, so you know that's why he weighed in over the the one thirty five limit. But um, I, I stuff like this I just count in the in the rankings like. I don't know. It's kind of silly not to. We all know what they're doing. Uh, moving on here. Still on the main card, we had a unanimous decision victory for Caitlin Chukagian over Viviani Araujao. Um, pre- pretty dominant victory for Chukagian. Just a better striker. Really presented a lot of trouble with her length. Uh, you know, definitely was hurting her in the, in the third round, tagging her. I mean, just got really, really long arms for, for the division. Uh, and, you know, if you can't take her down, then, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a problem because she is a, a pretty good striker. Uh, also has a pretty interesting Twitter account, which I encourage people to, uh, to go look at. And, you know, really just the worst situation for the flyweight division. I mean, you know, uh, what would have been best for the division would, would be Araujo winning, you know, getting up in the top three and then fighting uh, Shevchenko. Really, it doesn't matter. Either fighter would lose to Shevchenko. Uh, obviously, we saw that with Caitlin Chukagian. But, you know, it, it's Chukagian who got smashed, absolutely smashed by Shevchenko, getting another win. And it's like, all these, all these, and fuck, good for her. That's what she's supposed to do. I'm not saying it's a fucking bad thing for her to her to win, uh, obviously. But, um, you know, she just keeps fending off these uh, contenders. So, good for her. I, I have beyond zero interest in seeing Caitlin Chukagian ever fight for the title again. Uh, we know exactly what's going to happen. In fact, it's probably going to happen, you know, just quicker this time. But, uh, you know, it, it was a good performance. If I were if I were her, I would switch divisions. I, I really, really would. Uh, because, let's, let's check out the rankings here. I don't even think we moved her in the rankings because she's just already so high. Yeah, she's still at two. If, if I were her... I would really move up to 135. I really would. I mean, you get smashed by Shevchenko. There's no way you're going to beat her again. Not that there's really any way you beat Nunez, but I just think you look at the uh, top 10 at the bantamweight division, it's so stale. It's so boring. It's the same old fighters who have lost to the same old fighters. You know, it's Jermaine Durandamy and Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington and Yana Kunitskaya. Sarah McMahon still around there, and it's like, I don't want to see any of them fight Amanda Nunes. So, you know, I, th- I think you move up there. Uh, you know, she's a pretty skinny uh, fighter as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure Bantamweight's not her. You know, Flyweight really does seem like her true division, but it's just, you're kind of spinning your wheels there. I mean, okay. So if you beat, I don't know, say she fights Cynthia Calvillo and beats her and fights... Jessica I or Alexa Grasso and beats her like what if she wins two or three more fights do we give her another crack at the title I mean I guess but why though I mean I don't know you go up you go up to bantamweight and fight Aspen Ladd or fight a, a Holly Holm or something or I don't know 
I, I just I just feel like this is a she, she's kind of in a, in purgatory really in, in the flyweight division. So I really think something has to be done there on uh, Jukagian's end. And you know then for Ero Ero Jesus <laughs> Ero Ujau, um, you know not not the end of the world. I, I still think she's a good fighter. Uh, you know she's uh, a little bit uh, older than some people might realize, but uh, you know I I, I still. I still like your chances at, at 125, to be honest. I just think this is probably a bad matchup for her. And you're going to run into bad matchups, so it's not really an excuse. But, you know, I, I, I'm not too down on uh, Araujao. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. We had a round three KO uh, via a right hook from Edson Barboza on Shane Burgos. Uh, just one of the weirdest finishes I've ever seen. I, I can safely say I've never seen that. I've never seen somebody get hit with a punch, be totally fine for about two seconds, and then just stumble backwards and get knocked out cold. I've never seen that. I thought he, I thought he passed out. Uh, obviously from the shot, not you know, just not fainting. You, you know what I mean? Like obviously the punch had a lot to do with it, but I, I thought he just fucking passed out like I thought that was so weird and there were some follow-up strikes from Edson that were not necessary it's his job to punch him obviously I I mean it's not necessary as in the ref should have done his fucking job and just waved it off when somebody fucking stumbles like that and and you know gets put out cold by uh air um but just very 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 weird but you know a great performance by Edson Barboza um fuck I mean I, I don't know people make a big deal about him going down to 145 and he certainly looks like fucking shit at 145 uh you know when he's weighing in because he's there's when he weighs in there's not an ounce to spare uh he looks like Skeletor he looks like death um but I don't know man he says it's he says it's not as bad as as it looks and honestly I don't know uh I, I really th- I really think like uh, you know I was I was talking about this with somebody earlier but I really think that um, anybody can make any weight you know what I mean like I, I think it's just you know Ed, you know Edson could probably make 135 you know but it's just, but it's about but it's about like you know like I'm okay I might be exaggerating there but you know I, I really think it is timing you know what I mean like some people if you just come in, cut a little bit of weight and then cut all of it the day before yeah that's a fucking bad way to do it but you know if you if you taper down and cut down like i don't know man like who would have who would have thought jose aldo made 135 who would have thought you know frankie edgar edgar could make 135 so you know i don't know i'm a believer in edson barboza at 145 i don't think it's the right division for him i still think he's probably at his peak at 155 but damn he looks good he looks good and, and you know it's a fresh division, which is, is nice. You know, you haven't faced a lot of people in the, in the division yet, so there's nobody really holding anything over you. You know, at, at 155, you know, hey, you lost to Khabib. They're going to hold that over you. You know, you're always going to be underneath him in the rankings. Hey, you lost to Kevin Lee. You're always going to be under him. But, you know, when you when you change weight classes, all that's wiped away. It's really crazy how how people have selective memory and just wipe away everything. It's it's It literally is a, a blank new slate when you go to a new division I mean that's just how it is and um you know he's had some close fights Uh, I I definitely think he lost to Dan Ige I know a lot of people think that uh, he won that fight uh I I don't I don't think so I definitely think he lost to Paul Felder 
Uh, but they were close fights. You know, got the rebound win over Makwan Amir Khani. Great performance here. And, uh, you know, we moved him up in the rankings, uh, I believe, to 10. Uh, yep, he's at 10. So Chikadze at 11. Burgos drops two spots from 10 to 12. Mitchell and Hall drop one spot uh, to 13 and 14, respectively. You know, so for, Ed- for Edson Barboza, you know, he's not a star. He's not a superstar. But, you know, he's an exciting fighter. You know he's going to bring it. He's now sitting, you know, within the top 10 of the division. It's a, it's a fairly inactive division, to be honest with you, certainly at the top. You know, a lot of these guys don't like to fight. Zabit, you know, hasn't fought in a long time. Obviously, Ortega's got the, the, the title fight, but Ortega, you know, outside of that win over the Korean Zombie, I mean, Ortega's probably fought once in the last three or two and a half years or whatever. Yair Rodriguez doesn't really fight that much. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Calvin Cater's kind of on ice right now from the beating he took from Holloway. Josh Emmett tore his ACL. He'll probably be coming back s- soon, uh, hopefully. Uh, hopefully everything's all good with his knee. He'll probably be coming back in the next couple of months. But, you know, he's probably still feeling it a little bit. So, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting matchups ahead of him. And really the only person who's ahead of him that, you know, has a win over him that can hold something over him is Dan Ige. Uh, you know, sitting there at number eight. So it, it really is a fresh division. And, you know, fuck, man, he looks good. Those kicks look good. He's he's so quick. And, uh, you know, I don't know. But he's just a good fighter, man. I think he would be relevant if he was back at 155. I think he'd I, I think he'd be relevant at 170 if, if he chose to go the other way instead of coming down to 145. So, you know, I'm glad he resigned with, with the UFC. And, you know, he's not as old as, uh, as, as people think. He's only 35. So, you know, he might have two, three four more years of, uh, you know, fighting in his prime. So, you know, Edson Barbosa's kind of growing on me a little bit. And then for Burgos, holy shit, I don't fucking know, man. She's got to ice up. I, I don't know. That's really, really scary. Uh, well, I'm not going to say he passed his medicals, but I, I, I remember people saying that he was he was fine afterwards, which is really good to hear because that's, that's definitely a, a scary, scary knockout. You know, there's there's some knockouts where you're like, oh, damn, that was fucking, that was awesome, man. Holy shit, did you see what Nganu did to Overeem? Fuck, that was crazy. And then there's some knockouts where you're like, oh, my God. Like, I question being a fan of the sport type knockouts where you're like, holy shit. Like, I might have seen somebody die. Like, I, I might have seen Shane Burgos die. Uh, he he, he might have just collapsed in the octagon. Like, uh, or, or like uh, Mike Davis against Thomas Gifford. Like, oh, shit. Uh, that's like, I, I, I hate, I hate to be that guy. I really do hate to be that guy, but like, it's inevitable that somebody will die in the UFC. Like it just, it just happens no matter how safe you, you can be. Like it, it is people getting punched in the fucking head. You know, boxing's gotten a lot, a lot safer, but, but you know, we still have like five boxers die a year or, or, or whatever. Or maybe I'm getting the number wrong, but you know, point being people still die in boxing. Um, you know what I mean? And that's why it's so important to have good referees because, you know, that's how, that's how somebody would die. Like, and, and again, I'm not trying to be fucking any type of way about it, but like, like, uh, Justin Gaethje, when he fought Tony Ferguson, that's how somebody dies. Like that, that is how somebody dies. Tony Ferguson getting clocked in the fucking head repeatedly for 24 minutes. And then Gaethje eased up on him and just started jabbing him. And then the fight got stopped. What if Gaethje did not ease up on him? And what if he went for the kill shot? 
and just knocked him out in a vicious way after he'd taken 24 minutes of sustained heavy damage. Like, that's how somebody would die. Uh, you know what I mean? So, ah, you know, some of these fights got to get stopped a little bit sooner. I know people are a little barbaric, and I certainly fall into it sometimes of liking to, you know, liking seeing a, a proper finish, but, you know, the, I don't know, man. It's always in the back of my head watching some of these fights where it's like, eh, fucking... You know, you watch enough fights, you will see somebody, Anderson Silva or Chris Weidman, their leg. You know what I mean? If you watch enough fights, you will see somebody uh, just completely dislocate their elbow and have their arm pointing the wrong way. Like, it'll happen. If you watch enough MMA fights, like, goddamn, man, thankfully, thankfully it hasn't happened yet, and I hope it never happens, but fuck, man, you watch enough, which is a good sign because the UFC's been around for fucking 24 years and it hasn't happened um, but I don't know, man, eventually, eventually you watch enough fights, you know, you're, you're going to see a Patrick day or something. Uh, unfortunately, oh, damn headsets are, uh, slipping off there. Uh, let's see where we are. Uh, moving on here to the prelim headliner. We had, uh, well, speaking of kind of gruesome injuries, we had a inverted armbar victory from Andre Muniz over Ronaldo Jacare Souza, um, a, a little a little sad to watch, seeing Jacare get choked out, uh, or well, submitted not choked out but submitted and have his fucking arm just I don't know if it was his arm that was broken or if it was his elbow that was kind of dislocated, something fucking weird, weird pops and and shit that just gives me goosebumps thinking about it, but you know again. You know, like I always say, I'm never in a spot to tell somebody to retire, but, you know, if jo- if Jacare, if Jacare's getting choked out, you know, and he's 41 and he got knocked out in, in the fight before this and it's a four-fight losing streak and, you know, he's lost six of his last eight fights, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, if he doesn't want to retire, he's not going to retire, but I really think Jacare might get cut uh, from from the UFC. Uh you know, you, you never want to be on a losing streak. The UFC, it, you know, they, they just go through those periods where they start cutting people, and I think he could be next. Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely didn't see Andre Muniz winning this fight. Um, it's not the greatest win ever because, you know, Jacare's stocks are down in the dump, but it, it still is a win over Jacare. So, you know, it's still, it still will do him, him good. I mean, that's his third win in the UFC uh, fifth win under a UFC banner because he had two wins on the Contender Series as well. So, uh, you know, two two finishes in his last two fights, and you know he's probably loosely loosely on the doorstep of of the middleweight top fifteen. So, you know, somebody to watch out for. Uh, but you know, good good performance uh, against Jacare, even though it was uh, was a little uh, grody, as uh, the kids would say. All right, moving on here. We had a split decision victory for uh, Lando Venata over Mike Grundy. Um, who who saw this coming except for me? Because I believe I exactly predicted a split decision victory in this fight because uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm catching on to Lando Venata. You know, he's an interesting case. I really do think this guy's pretty talented. Uh, like I, I do think he is uh, a, a good striker and, and and whatnot, and he's got toughness, and uh, you know he he does uh, he does hurt people pretty often. 
in in his uh, in his fights. But this guy, this guy just he fights up, or he fights down to his opponent's level. Like that's the craziest craziest part to me, and that's obviously why his record is twelve five and two. You know, just kind of a a goofy record. But it's like, damn man, like every fight he he's in is super close. He never gets starched. He never starches anybody. Um, well, I guess outside of John McDessey, but um, it, it's just always super close and competitive. Dude, I, I think if he fought Khabib, like, he'd still lose. But, like, ah, I think it'd be a really fucking... I think it'd be a dogfight. But I think if he fought Alex Caceres, it would be a dogfight. It's just so... It's so weird. I don't fucking... I don't I don't know what about him does that. It, it's it's so fucking weird. Like, he'll lose to David Tamer. And, and, but then he'll, he'll, you know, beat Yancey Medeiros and, and beat John McDessie and go to a draw with Bobby Green, and he's, he's such an interesting guy. I would hate to bet on this guy. Like, I, I, I you know, you never know which way it's going to go. You just know it's going to be close. And uh, nice nice victory over Mike Grundy. Probably probably the right uh, call here. I, I think it was a win. If you want to call it a split decision win, then, you know, that's fine by me. I think he got the better of him in the striking. You know, they, they, they grappled around a little bit. You know, nobody really got the advantage on the ground, so really you just kind of got to look at the striking, and, you know, I think Lando uh, Venata uh, got the better of him on the feet. All right, moving on. We had a quick finish here in the middleweight division. Jordan Wright knocking out Jamie Pickett in 64 seconds. Uh, you know, really getting back to, you know, his uh, his uh, MO on the, uh, the regional scene. I mean, this dude was just knocking people out on the regional scene. You look at his record... It's all first-round finishes, uh, except for one in uh, the LFA. Uh, really, that's his entire career. You know, he had the loss to Buckley, but otherwise, this dude is a finisher straight up, and he hurt him early and just pounced on him, and, you know, there's not much to it. I mean, uh, you know, whenever whenever you get finished, uh, you know, people kind of count you out or maybe just don't really think about you a lot, but, you know, I think Jordan uh, Wright is, is still an interesting prospect. Yeah, he's a goofy-looking guy, but... Uh, I mean, man, like, it wouldn't shock me if Jordan Wright, and again, I'm getting so far ahead of myself, but, like, it wouldn't shock me if Jordan Wright was in the rankings, I don't know, a year a year from now, because because he's a finisher. So, okay, maybe he loses his next two fights in a row. Maybe, you know, a bunch of shit happens. But, like, I'll tell you a terrible way to get in the rankings. A terrible way to get in the rankings is winning by decision. Like, you just, you don't, you don't get the push. You don't get the climb up the totem pole you do when you when you finish people when you finish people shit's gonna go your way that's just that's just how it is promotionally rankings wise uh fucking bonus wise it's just gonna go your way if you're a finisher this guy's a finisher it's what he did and uh good for him for jamie pickett unfortunate i just don't think he's cut out to be in the ufc maybe i'm wrong you know he is 32 but you know that's that's two losses he lost to tafan and chukwi kind of a bad loss get knocked out here you know really under a UFC banner because what is it he fought three times on the contender series so if you count UFC appearances and contender series appearances as just under the UFC banner he's one in four he's one in four okay that that's that's not gonna do it that's just not gonna I'm telling you you know I, I think maybe he gets cut maybe they bring him back for for another one but I'm just telling you Jamie Pickett is uh, not UFC material. <coughs> ah, excuse me. 
sneeze so hard my damn headphones came off. That's uh, that's the spring for you. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't think he's uh, UFC material. Uh, moving on, we had a submission via a triangle armbar from Andrea Lee over Antonina Shevchenko. Uh, good performance, good for Lee. Yeah, you know, I think she'd been screw, screwed out of uh, a couple of those uh, previous fights. Uh, you know, we still had her in the rankings at 15, where she should be, not at like 10, wherever the UFC had her. Um, but you know, this this is a, a a nice a nice win. Obviously, I think she lost legitimately to uh, Roxanne Modafferi, but I think she beat Joanne Calderwood, and I, I think she beat Lauren Murphy. Uh, she she outstrikes most of her opponents. I don't know why she doesn't get the nod. Uh, I, I I don't know what it is. Maybe she just doesn't have enough power. I mean, who knows? Um, but you know, I, I think she is a good a good fighter. I think she's uh, an interesting. Uh, interesting prospect I, I guess we'll call her to, to look for in in the uh, flyweight division certainly has to get better on the ground and and you know a, a, a submission here uh, you know goes a long way in kind of quelling my concerns for her ground game obviously I still think you know if she goes up against Calvillo or certainly you know Antonina's sister you know it's going to go pretty poorly but uh, you know and obviously Antonina is a kickboxer so you submitted a kickboxer but Andrew Lee's a kickboxer so uh, you know, good good to know that she has the skills, and uh, hopefully hopefully she improves on them because I think with that striking, you know, she probably could go a little ways here in in the UFC. All right, moving on, we have a finish here in the female flyweight division, Priscilla Cashueta with a standing TKO of Gina Mazzani. Uh, did not watch this fight; too busy taking a shower. Uh, I I. I don't know. I saw I saw the finish. Definitely looked a little a little goofy. Definitely looked a little goofy. But good for uh, good for Priscilla Priscilla Cashueta. Very very annoying on the mic. Very annoying on the mic. I mean I I can't stress how much she irritated me on the mic. But you know whatever. That's why I don't tune into fights like this. But you know two finishes in a row for her. Uh, obviously always going to be known for just getting smoked by Valentina Shevchenko. But you know, I don't know. Good for her. Maybe she's making a, a name for herself here uh, in, in the UFC. Moving on, we have a unanimous decision victory for Tucker Lutz over Kevin Aguilar in the featherweight division. Very, very good fight. Very underrated fight. Really, the first two fights of the night really kind of set the tone for this pay-per-view. You know, back and forth fight between uh, Lutz and Aguilar. I'd probably give the advantage to Lutz. Uh, in the striking, but I, I suppose I, I can look at the uh, the old statistics here uh, if I can find them. But you know, back and forth fight, very competitive. And then obviously with the wrestling, you'd have to give the uh, you know the the advantage to Tucker Lutz, and I think that's why he won the fight. But um, you know, even though Aguilar was on a, a three fight losing streak, I mean, champ over in, in in the LFA, obviously a good striker. He's fighting in front of his home crowd, and. Uh, you know, Tucker Lutz, you know, I think that's, I really think that's somebody to, to watch out for. I, I like what I saw from him. He did get tagged a little bit. That's going to have to be fixed. Uh, technically, he was uh, outstruck in this fight. Uh, you know, maybe if Aguilar landed a little more cleaner, maybe he puts him away. But, you know, three three or four on the takedowns, and that's definitely going to be uh, the difference in this one. For Aguilar, I mean... 95% chance this guy gets cut. I mean, the only way he doesn't get cut is he just had a good performance. 
you know, which which he did. It was an, it was a fun, exciting fight. You know, uh, you can't knock him for for trying or 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 whatever. But you know, fuck man, you lose four in a row, and that's just it's. There's not a lot of fighters who can lose four in a row and keep their job. I'm telling you that much, especially somebody outside of the rankings. So you know, yeah, Tucker Lutz is tough. Dan Ige, you know, that's a tough loss, but. You know, at the end of the day, you got to win fights, and uh, Aguilar has not been doing that. But you know, you know, he is only 32, so you know, maybe he goes to Bellator, maybe he goes somewhere else, maybe, uh, maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse. Maybe he's, he sticks around, but uh, you know, there's there's something that's got to change from from Kevin Aguilar. And moving on here to the prelim opener, we had a submission via a Darce choke from Christos Yagos. Uh, on Sean Soriano. Uh, good fight for as long as it lasted. I mean, they were really going back and forth, hurting each other. Obviously, it was Yagos that uh, got the final uh, laugh, but, you know, Soriano, like a minute into that fight, really looked like he was going to finish him. Uh, you know, was, was was hurting him a little bit. And, uh, you know, that, that's another guy who it's it's kind of unfortunate how his career has, has gone. You know, you hear how, uh, you know, his teammates like Michael Chandler and all those other guys in, in South Florida really talk about Soriano being one of the better strikers they train with. And, you know, now I think he drops to 0-4 in the UFC. But, uh, you know, obviously three of them coming, coming back, you know, several, several years ago. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see him back uh, in the UFC, you know, with short notice stuff, you really never know. I mean, they just tend to call people they know. Um, so maybe maybe we'll see him back, but you know, just just unfortunate. You know, I think Yagos is is a little a little underrated. Obviously, a good striker, and and you know, just kind of got the jump on him there with uh, the uh, the Darce. Very very fitting that uh, Tony Ferguson was on the card. You know, getting a Darce on on the same event uh, as uh, the Darce Knight. But um, you know, nice nice little nice little win there for Christos Yagos. All right, well, with that, uh, we've completed the recap here of UFC 262, Oliveira versus Chandler. Uh, again, we'll have a preview show probably later tonight uh, for uh, the fight night with Font and Garbrandt. Uh, you can check out the rankings at northstarsports.media. Always got updated UFC rankings, uh, like 30 minutes after each, uh, after the main event ends. Uh, so... Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Be sure to check out North Star Sports, like I said, at northstarsports.media. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody.